0: Episode 9 of the Cosaras podcast. We're back. You thought you were going to get rid of us with the end of the first season, but alas, we're here with more content. Um as I mentioned earlier, uh we have the whole gang here. Kim's here, Jesse's here, Ben's here. Um we talked about this earlier when we first started the podcast that we wanted to do the game recap stuff, but also talk about other things related to Spurs, related to football at large, and just uh, kind of provide our perspective on the sport as, as for Americans watching English football. So um, even though the season is kind of on a break for the next couple months, uh, we're still going to try to drop a few episodes um, periodically during the offseason season. Um, to talk about some other things that aren't directly related to match weeks. Um, So we wanted to talk a little bit today. Hopefully, everybody's okay. Ben, I think you just survived some sort of a tornado or hurricane that's passing through Chicago. Um, Yeah, just barely, right? So we're all good to go. And I guess the obvious place to start since uh, the last match that we had was probably about three weeks ago. Um, now obviously the big thing is going to be the opening of the transfer window which actually I believe just opened today officially um, prior to the window opening we already secured a couple of um, pre-transfer signings uh, got Fraser Froster Fraser Foster that's the tongue twister from South uh, from Southampton um, as well as Yvonne Parisich who was coming from where inter I believe
1: inter Milan yeah yeah
0: um, we still got a few more moves to make, but I'm interested to hear, Kim, like, what are your thoughts going into this window? Um, like, what, what do you think? How, how, how's your optimism?
1: Um, I feel like I'm mildly optimistic that we'll get the targets that we want. Uh, obviously, there have already been links to some players who don't want to leave where they are, Bastoni in particular, um, I would have loved him at Spurs. Honestly, I feel like as a left as a left center back, he, he'd he fit right in. And Obviously, he paid, played in Conte's Conte system before. So I think we have um, targets, more than one target for each of these areas. So I feel like we'll get someone in at left center back. We'll probably sign looking like Jed Spence, but we're definitely going to sign a, a right wing back. We'll probably sign. We might sign another left wing back and let Reggie go. Um hopefully we get a couple of guys in midfield and then we get someone up front and to me if we do those things then it's a it's a great window if we do most of those things it's a good window so I think we have the getting Perisic in and Forrester those are two things that we don't have to worry about like homegrown on the Forrester area of that that's to me is a good move he's a decent backup keeper um, and then Parisage to me, he's someone who probably can come in and start. Uh, so i I think that's a great move as well. so i'm I'm mildly optimistic about what we can do.
0: Ben, do you get into the whole rumor mill, or uh, do you mostly just ignore them and wait for things official or
2: are you are you refreshing your your feed every every 20 minutes? i'm I'm probably somewhere in between. i uh, it's hard not to to try to, you know, it's hard not to follow it a little bit at least, but obviously I take everything with a grain of salt until it's, it's officially reported. Uh, the, the tabloidy aspect of it has has always struck me as odd with, um, with, with world football compared to American sports. Again, like we don't really get the same rumor mill going here, uh, with, with uh, free agency or what have you. Um, but, uh, I, I do obviously (laughs) check, fairly frequently to see what the rumors are just to get my hopes up, you know? Um, but uh, as far as whether this has been successful so far, obviously it's been fairly good so far since we, we already signed a couple of players, which right. is more than we do early on. Um, can't say I'm stoked about uh, Fraser Forster, but you know, I think he's I, a good like, keeper. I think not, he's, he's not, he's, he's going to be better than, Joe than Galini. Hart, right? <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> Joe better Hart, yeah, yeah.
0: better than probably all the backups we've had since Gazaniga. So but um, there were, I
2: know we were linked to, uh, now I'm blanking on who it was, but that seemed like a better fit
3: earlier. If, if anybody can remind me who that was, it was yes, another Sam,
1: Sam Johnstone.
3: It seemed like he yeah, wanted to be regularly starting. and was good yeah. enough to be getting that interest. I think that was where the issue was there. I think
2: that's the way it's going to work. Right. I mean, at some point we'll need to start addressing uh, an actual future keeper, but I think that this year they seem to just, like you said, Kim, uh, is just kind of prioritized getting an English guy in there uh, as a backup get those numbers up a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I
0: don't think keeper is a really a, a major problem area for us right now. Hugo's still solid. He's probably still got at least two more years left in the tank. So I, I, I wouldn't even really worry too much about that. Whoever's in that yeah. position is probably only going to be playing, you know, Carabao and FA cup. So.
2: If that, yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I would say really quickly, just that uh I do hope we, we do end up getting Jed Spence. I know it's it's a, a little early on in the career. Who knows what'll happen? But it just seems like a perfect signing, right? Like a, that, that Deli Ali or um, uh, even like Sess a, a few years ago. Young, up and coming English uh, can get them affordable, hopefully, at this point. Well, that's, and, that's the
0: Spurs and, profile, right? We always right. try to grab the player before they become the player. Which I'm happy
2: to see that they're still doing a little bit of that. Uh, you know, I I don't want to go get all Parasitches now or you're saying all those in yeah. the 30s on freeze. But I, I do like uh that they're mixing it up a little bit, hopefully making Conte happy by doing that kind of deal. And then uh I don't know how much you guys talked about this, but the uh the cash infusion that we apparently are just getting 150 million to to spend. Apparently on transfers for Conte is obviously I, the only time I remember us uh, going into a window with, uh, I guess, this much activity, I guess there were two times there was the, the bail summer where he got sold. And so they they signed seven or eight players ahead of time, knowing they had that money coming. And then a couple of years ago, the right before Pochettino, you know, uh, was dismissed. uh, There was the, um, and Dombele and, Dombele and, Lacelloso, Lacelloso, and that, also, yeah. yeah. I mean, that was a pretty big summer. I think people were pretty optimistic. Obviously, in hindsight, not not quite so great. But um, yeah, no, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. Is what I would say.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that infusion. Um, it seems so counter how we've typically operated. I mean, we went three windows during the Pochettino era without buying anyone. Obviously, during um, that that Champions League run where we just kind of sat on our hands. And so to see us going, kind of going in a different direction, obviously top four has a lot to do with that. Obviously Antonio Conte has a lot to do with that.
2: Um, like, What's well, your point in- on that? Sorry, but just to your point on that, uh, I think that I, at least I've read some about this. I feel like this is some, somewhat Levy getting a, a do-over on that, right? Like he's yep. trying to make sure he does not make the same mistake of just sitting on his hands when – The uh you know the iron's hot or whatever. I'm mixing metaphors there. But uh
0: and he's gotten a do over on the Jose signing too. Right. Yeah. I'm it's it's like that never happened now. He got he basically got to wash his hands of that. And the Nuno
2: thing, right? It was like two years of uh complacency and then we are somehow coming out on the other side, still looking all right. So hopefully they do take the uh necessary, you know necessary actions and make sure to keep this thing moving forward rather than getting stagnant like it has a couple of times in the past
0: yeah i guess the only thing that i kind of sometimes worry about like short term great um i do wonder and worry i guess how much our change in approach has to do with the fact that we do have content and a lot of it does feel like we're Trying to show ambition as a way of keeping him for however long we
2: will keep Amporology, him. And parotagy, right? Like that, I think that that sure. has changed. Yeah, our, yeah. The, that, that pair has changed a little bit.
0: Yeah, I guess, uh, Jesse, do you see this as a flash in the pan because of where we are right now? Or is this a, a turn of the corner that's going to represent a, a different approach moving forward?
3: I mean, it's interesting, right? Like the, the whole tiger has not change his stripes sort of situation. Um, but uh, so you, you, that would make you think that this is just maybe a one off to keep the momentum going. Or is it is it trying to learn from mistakes? You know, one thing that comes to mind when I've tried to, to fix past uh, wouldn't call them mistakes, but I'd say just like not the best decisions was, you know, there was two times in my life that I went, had a, a wedding of a close friend and a boxing match that my favorite boxer was fighting at the same, uh, on the same night. And the first night. It twice somehow? Happened twice. Same <laughs> boxer. First night, his name's Sergio Martinez. He was fighting in Vegas against Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. And my friend was out. My friend who promotes him was out there. He's like, come out. I got your tickets. No problem. I was like, oh, we've got these really good friends. You're going to have this really cool wedding. We're going to go to the wedding. And I said, sorry. You know, I told my wife she was in on it. And she was like, okay, next Sergio fight we're going to go to, right? So it was, ended up being two fights later because his next fight was in Argentina. So I regretted that fight. The wedding was fine, but it was Sergio dominated Chavez Jr. for 11 rounds. It was incredible. And then got knocked down twice in the 12th. Incredible fight. One of the fights of the year. So to try and correct that, I had another friend, also a close friend, was getting married. Uh, Sergio was fighting at Madison Square Garden. So I fly out to New York. We're like, all right, this time we're picking the right decision. We're going to go to the fight instead of the wedding. Uh, my guy Sergio gets his brains beat in for eight rounds and then um, uh, TKO or, or he even threw in the towel and that was the last fight that he ever happened. So that's kind of the thing. Like, well, we didn't spend on Grealish. We didn't support Poach. Like now we're going to do the opposite. So like, and on theory, in theory, it's it's encouraging. Yes, this is a good thing. You're trying to make those past mistakes. But if I would have gone to the wedding instead of the fight and g- again in my in my personal story, that would have been the right decision. So it, it sometimes it seems... Like, it's one thing, but it's not always it's not always the case. So I'm hoping that that's the the situation where you know, you have this. Um, hey, we have this uh, terrific but also hot-headed wild in the press, but football genius manager. let's you know, we didn't back the last one or we didn't we made some wrong decisions here or there. Let's let's kind of go um, and try to change at this time. So I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm really encouraged for sure this summer by the early signings. Uh, and just like, honest, just even the parasites, like I think he's going to be good. Um, but I think like just that kind of assigning is never something even on a free is just not something that Spurs would have done in my tenure as a fan. I was reading an athletic article. that I think they said the last time that happened outside of bail coming back last year, which is a little bit different, um, was like something in like in the red era or something like so like several, you know, 10 plus years ago. So I think that's the encouraging piece that it's not just hey let's try to sign guys because Perridge still costs money. It's not as if a free transfer means just playing for the love of the game. He's still going (laughs) to be on decent fees. So you know, trying to be like hey look, this is a guy that can that can help us. Um, I I was uh, at work today. I was um, talking with a guy who does uh, um, um, covers the Columbus Blue Jackets and and does some um, analysis with the Columbus Blue Jackets, and we were talking about hockey and the hockey playoffs and. Um, you know, the importance of having guys in a team that have had a taste of the glory, that have had a taste of those of those wins. Um, and not only like, again, having some of the guys on our team that have gone far, obviously, no, no one on the team's won a trophy. But now bringing in a guy who's won the Champions League, who's won um, Scudetto or whatever they call it in Italy, who's, who's won something, who's made it to a World Cup final. We do have Hugo, who's won the World Cup final against Perisic. But I think having someone like that, it helps and getting him early as well, and signing sign these things. The only downside of Forster is he's a rough-looking dude. We went from having a, an Italian rapper in uh, <laughs> Gallini to Gazzaniga was one of the best-looking guys in the entire Premier League. And Fraser Forster, I like him as a player, but like, you know, he's not he's not winning any any beauty contests. Which maybe that's a good thing that you just have a pretty boring, um, you know, tough mug to look at as your backup goalie.
0: Well, we tried that with Joe Hart and he was awful. So, you know, oh my <laughs> I don't know if that I don't know if that alone is going to do the trick. Maybe maybe we just need somebody who's good at goalkeeping. Well, the window's opening now. Uh, we've got two in the bag, a few more to come. I mean, just thinking about um, where we are, I was I was looking at some old data earlier today, uh, just talking about the crazy run that we went on. Um listening to some old podcasts of of guys that were recording uh, right after that uh, Norwich game at the end of the season. And I think it was some crazy stat of like on our last 11 matches, we won eight, drew two and lost one or something insane like that. Um, The run that we went on to finish in the top four is really incredible. Um, And now that that's over, like we're still kind of on that high, but we know that a new season is right around the corner. I'm like, where are we as a club? Where do we fit in, in terms of the picture of in England, uh, the picture in, in Europe, I guess, uh, since we're also in the champions league, I'm like, where, where, where are we right now?
2: I think that we are in a pretty strong position, actually, especially if we do make some savvy signings this summer, I think, I mean, it's tough, obviously, to compete with City and Liverpool. They just right. have unlimited funds. Liverpool is also very savvy on top of that. Uh, it's hard not to see City being a monster next year with... Um, Harland. With, yeah, exactly, with Harland. Uh, but I also think that there's a chance, you know, that we could... we could If, if everything went right, <laughs> maybe like the Leicester year a few years ago, where if, uh, if there's some... I don't even know. You you would you would have to have both Liverpool and City both have some some rough luck, which could happen. But if uh, having a full uh, preseason with Conte, you know, after this year, I feel like this probably will be. Just judging by his past, this year maybe next year would be his peak season, right? Because he, he's kind of a a quick burnout there. So I, I'm. Fairly optimistic yeah. about our premier league chances this year and uh, not to necessarily win the title, but to be in, 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 in the, uh, you know, at least to compete, potentially get up there. I, I'm not sure about our chances in the champions league in terms of, uh, Conte has a reputation for not being able to handle the extra games because of his preparation, because of his physical demands on the players. So I would be happy. I would say, um, to at least get out of the group stages. Hopefully, we'll see what happens. You know, it's a it's a it's a crapshoot from there on out. um And then I I would think we would at least be able to return to the top four and hopefully get into that top two or three. I'm very curious to see what happens with Chelsea because that's a kind of a yeah a mystery right. at this point. What's actually going to happen feels um, like they're going Newcastle the other way. defense. Right. Yeah. Newcastle probably take a little while to get going. If you look at what happened with City, it took them two or three years before they became kind of a juggernaut. But that'll probably happen soon enough. Um, and then and they're gonna united, spend. They're gonna spend a lot of money. They're they're definitely gonna spend it just to build it, it takes a little bit of time. It, financial fair play doesn't help that much, but it does help a little bit in terms of they can't just go out and spend a billion dollars on players or something ridiculous. Um, and then united it's always a wild card there, right? They might have finally chosen the good manager but I don't know if that's their problem it seems like the problem might be more the front office in terms of um I mean you saw how they, they 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 made a coach change around the same time that we did a little bit after and I thought you know that raniak because he's a pretty good coach but they seem to not let him do his thing they yeah. seem to yeah kind of still let the big name players and whoever else kind of run the uh day-to-day to some day I mean there, it's
0: so, it's funny because I feel like um you know you always kind of make your assumptions on the following season based on what just happened. Um, so like I, I can remember at the beginning of last season, um, I'm looking at the table and assuming, all right, yeah, United, they'll be in the top four. They got Ronaldo. They got all these players. They'll be fine. Um, Liverpool's maybe they're on the, they're on their last legs. I had them kind of like squeaking into the, uh, the top four. Um, obviously that was completely wrong. They Dominated. They lost the the title by one point. United finished sixth. I was way off on that. I did have Arsenal finishing around fifth, which is exactly where they ended up. Um, I thought they'd have about the season that they did have. um, But I definitely didn't see Spurs finishing fourth. I thought we'd probably finish below them. So it's like you kind of make these assumptions based on what you've seen at the end of one season. But, you know, signings could go one way or another. We obviously haven't really made a a lot of signings yet, so it's really difficult for me to even know. Like, Based on the fact that we did finish top four and we're playing Champions League football next year, yeah, of course, I want to believe that we're going to be in the top four again next year, but I don't have a ton of information to base that on other than the fact that we just finished top four three weeks ago. Um, So it's tricky. I do feel like we're in a very optimistic spot. I, I mean, there's no way I can deny that. We've got one of the best coaches in the world we've we're in the biggest tournament in the in europe so i mean it's good times no matter what happens but i i, I it's hard for me to know or, or to predict exactly what's going to happen until i see at least what the roster looks like at the end of the summer
3: yeah I was say even the then, like question. you said the, oh, sorry. The, the signings that united made like different things are going to happen and, and like you might see one thing and then all of a sudden it's like yeah, wow, shoot! Maybe playing sixty games a year for the fourth straight year finally catches up with Liverpool, despite them obviously injecting new blood. Yep. But um, it's tough to say exactly for sure why you know who who's going to do it or is Spurs going to. I mean, you can look at all those alternate tables and the, the just Conte era and Spurs were only in you know, a handful of points behind Pool and City despite having some of those rough stretches and not a full season of Conte and not a big enough squad and all those things. So. Anything now, we're just spitballing, but that's what's fun. It's what the pods for. It's what uh, what this off season's for. So um, I think, uh, yeah, I feel good. I feel like, yeah, we we could make a run and and uh, a trophy. I feel like you know.
0: Oh man, that's all Jaden we need. It feel
3: possible last year. <laughs> felt, feels like a like it's a possibility this year.
2: And yeah, I would say that just uh, we probably would be better positioned to answer this question at the end of the summer. Yeah, for sure. Right? Just yeah. so This is and all I mean, based on, yeah, just a hypothetical great transfer window that's coming up. right?
1: And it might be a little easier to answer in a month because Conte seems to really want people in prior to the, the start of preseason. He seems to be really serious about that, which is why I think we actually sign people in May because we're like, we have to start the ball rolling because normally We're just talking about people until like (laughs) mid-July.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, It seems like we
1: can probably have like another two people probably sign maybe by the end of June. So it's like...
0: That's the dream. Well, let's see how it goes. Um, You're listening to the Coys R Us podcast. We can be reached on Twitter at Coys R Us podcast. Um, I'm on Twitter at Vernon underscore Virgo. Kim is on Twitter. At I am Kimmy's and Jesse's on Twitter at Jesse Giorzi. Um, We wanted to talk a little bit today about the rules of football, Um, particularly as we look at the end of the 21-22 season. uh, That also marked the end of the third year of VAR's existence in the Premier League. There's been a bunch of articles that have been going out over the past week or so uh, talking about the impact of VAR, how effective it, it is or isn't. Um, A few things that I noticed in some of the, the articles that, that, that were coming out in terms of data, um, they did note that over the course of the past three years, um, at the beginning, you know, VAR was like disallowing a ton of goals and for various reasons, offside, handball, all types of stuff. And over the course of the past three years, they have been like tweaking the rules year after year after year. Um, this past season, 21-22... We actually saw the least amount of goals disallowed from VAR. Um, They've also adjusted the handball rules, um, which have led to actually more penalties being given um, and less goals being disallowed because they took away that weird um, build-up handball nonsense. Um, And there's just been a lot more offense that has been allowed and goals that have been happening more and more based on those updates so it does feel like the way that VAR started was a little bit rough and things are progressing I mean I think on the other side of it there's obviously still a lot of work to do when it comes to VAR um, one of the big headlines is the fact that out of all the big five European clubs the Premier League was the only one not to have any of its refs invited to the World Cup to serve as a VAR referee which uh, isn't great um, and it, it also makes it seem pretty much that, you know, we're probably behind the ball when it comes to all the other big clubs in Italy, in Germany, in France, um, when it comes to VAR review. Um, another weird thing that I read was that out of all of the VAR decisions where they tell the head ref to go look at the monitor, um, the entire season out of all the pitch side reviews, not one of them overturned the VAR referees decision. So that's a weird thing (laughs) because then it also, it almost uh, seems that like, you know, if the VAR ref tells the ref to go look at the monitor, then that pretty much means that that's what the decision is going to be. Um, I was really against VAR when it first came out. I thought it was just not being run in an efficient way, but I will say that there's been a lot of changes over the past three years that, I have not noticed it getting in the way of the game as much as it was in 1920, where it felt like VAR was affecting the results of matches pretty much every week. Um, So I do feel like it's headed in the right direction. But, like, I guess three years now later, after VAR's introduction, um, like, what do you think of VAR, Ben? Like, when you're thinking about it now, if somebody talks about it, do you view it as a positive to the game or is it something that we should just get rid of? Cause it isn't working.
2: I, uh, I definitely still see it as a positive. I was actually glad they were bringing some kind of review to it. Cause like, that's another thing we've had in American sports for a long time. And I just, in the end, it can be a, it can be a hassle. It can be a pain, but I do want to get things right. I agree with you though, that I was, when it when VAR first, came into play, I was, um, much more of the idea of it than the actual execution, all the offsides calls. And then the, uh, that rule where any handball leading up to a goal at all, whether it's unintentional anywhere from anyone, you know, three faces before it actually got played in, that was a pain. Uh, obviously the, the linesmen not flagging offsides anymore and waiting to see if a goal is going to get ru- ruled offsides was a, just a really weird change to the flow of the game, and they're they're still
0: they're still waving that offside flag a little late for my use. I don't. They're
2: supposed to be in two years, so I, this is going to happen at World Cup this year, right? Is they're going to have uh, a a quasi automated offsides call so that the line judge, I guess, is going to maybe he has some kind of watch similar to the ref with the uh, ball over the line. But I mean, these are things that can be done with like eagle eye or whatever the, the things they use in tennis. Um where it's it's automated so yeah
0: but know, how can you automate can... the line if the line is based on where the defender's standing
3: and i, mean, I don't know I don't... exactly the technology they're all yeah, exactly. they all have um you know uh i don't think it's that insane that there's some sort of additional technology that could yeah, a little GPS where those uh, things are at any, at any given point i don't know for sure but yeah you know
2: So they're not going to institute this in the Premier League next year, though. It's going to be the year after that. They're only doing international for the time being. So we're going to have to wait. We'll see. We'll get a preview of that during the World Cup. uh, This upcoming. Well, this weird one that's in winter. Um, But I I I think that there have been enough improvements of bar that now it's not an annoyance that sometimes help helps. Now it's. I'm just like I said. I, I think it's good to get things right in the end. The the calls right, the easy ones at least. Obviously, a clear and uh, an obvious penalty call is not clear and obvious because you know. Well, know, we don't we don't know what not, clear
0: and obvious even
2: means. Yeah, it's not. It. That's because it's it's a subjective <laughs> thing, right? So right. Um, but.
0: But you're pro I, VAR in general. Overall, the idea overall of being able to review. Um, I mean, I think I'm also pro. Um, but let's, let's, let's get a little round robin. Ben's pro. I'm pro. Jesse, where are you with VAR?
3: Yeah, I'm generally pro. I think that the word that um, Ben said or the phrase that Ben said is to clear and obvious. And I'm for this in all sports. Like we need to put a shot clock on these people. If it's not a clear and obvious thing, especially with offsides, I don't want to be getting to the point where it's like, oh, an armpit hair, the white part of a toenail was offside. Wow one one of the cleats in his boots was offside. Like if it, it, it's yeah the ticky tacky stuff. Right, ticky and, tacky
2: stuff is over. There. That's that's the annoying stuff.
3: And I've had these conversations where it's like it, it, you know, offsides compared to fouls is the only black and white rule, right? Or, or you know, as well as the, the goal going across the line. Like, and yes, it is black and white. I'm okay with 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 calls going against Spurs or for the other team. Even if it is a technical offside, if it's a thirty, if it, if it's something that's not clear and obvious, I don't think we should be taking the joy out of soccer, out of football for these things where it's like, oh, yep, yeah, well, actually, and like, nobody get me started on when they're drawing the lines. <laughs> is the ball? Is the ball? Is the, is it? Is it? Is the pass hit when it leaves his foot? Right, when he starts making. It and we, and we just. It's whenever the out. VAR
0: ref decides to. Free right, like print. that's, that's stuff what when is. we're
3: talking about millimeters. That's why that's such an issue for me. Of like, if if it if Kane is off is offside or or uh, whoever if if uh, um, Firmino is offside by by a millimeter and we have to go back and forth and, and is this thing like that just takes the joy away from it? It's like thirty seconds. These guys are supposed to be good at it, so you should be able to figure it out. If it's not that clear and obvious, and you have thirty seconds especially for offside stuff more than handballs and some of those other things like that for me, but the offsides calls, let it fly because it's not, it's not clear and obvious. It's not, there's a human element in the game. um, And that involves the referees for me. And so if it's not a clear and obvious thing, I don't know if 30 seconds is the, is the, is the operative um, number, number of seconds or time, but let's, four angles or whatever how many angles like we need to kind of tighten that stuff up that's the biggest thing for var for me and and obviously spurs have benefited benefited from var a lot of times they've also been you know jammed by it as well but i think just the the taking these moments away of well actually you know what look at this all the way back here especially like he was offside by by a fraction of a of a of a toenail let's run that one back that kills some of the joy to to me um, and I think, you know, that's the stuff I'm against. So, yes, want to get the calls correct. But if it's not clear and obvious, then it you, you'll change it. If it's clear but you want to put a minutes, put a timer
0: yeah. on the decision and uh,
2: militarize uh, the, the VAR.
3: Um, What's, wait, 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 wait. Overall,
2: <laughs> are you pro or con on VAR?
3: Pro. Gun in my head, pro. Um would yeah. like some changes, but you know, uh I but can we're going Var. in the right
2: direction though, right? Yeah, I can I mean, definitely I...
3: marry Var. I'd like to talk to VAR about maybe some of the ways <laughs> that they fold, you know, the sheets, you know, when they're making the bed kind of situation. <laughs> but we're fine, we're fine walking. Oh, it's a domestic life. situation with it, you and Var now. It, huh? it could it could oh, be it,
0: it could is. be improved with some with some with some steady counseling. Um Kim, are we pro or against?
1: Uh I am pro VAR. I would say in like 1920, of, um, I was definitely uh i was like oh yeah this is gonna be great and then it started to happen and i was like oh this is 1920 was
0: awful it was i I was complaining about star every single week we even had some
1: stuff happen in 2021 that i was like are we serious like like when you really think about like Eric because D- I think this was in 2021 Eric oh, when his back ball, was turned yeah and yeah. when his back was turned and it's the like, Lucas
0: Mora one it pisses me off even th- more
1: that one Kane had all these toenails in 2021 too where he was off sides like it was like I feel like there were like three games in a row that it was like Kane scored but he's offside and it might have been twice in one game and I was just like but was he really offside yeah um but I I do think in this last year the the offsides calls have gotten a lot better, where there have been less instances where I've been like, this guy is not offside. Well, they made it and... so the tie goes
2: to the offensive player, right? Like that's yeah. I think that was the biggest change. It's like in baseball where if, if the if the uh, say the first baseman and the and the batter hit the bag at the exact same time, the tie goes to the runner, just favoring for uh, for offense. That's the biggest factor I think that that made that better at least.
1: I agree and there like I say there were some goals that would have we would have had the benefit of the doubt in those goals and I'm just like you know you you get over it on the times where it doesn't go for you but the times where it does you're very happy so in general I'm pro-var and I feel like it has been helpful in in like taking in some ref, not saying that referees do this but you know big players get more big calls. And so it's been instances where smaller teams may not have gotten that penalty call. And there might be still instances where they they feel aggrieved, but I feel like in certain cases it's given back um, something to those smaller teams where they feel like everything's not against them. They can't go and say everything against us because they do get, you know, calls here and there as well, just like everyone else.
3: Still
1: I still think the, the Penchester United's of the world, but um <laughs>
2: I think that's a good point, though, actually, going back to we, we, we spoke briefly about sports psychology with referees, but having kind of a check on that. That's actually I didn't even think about that, but that's that's probably a, a pretty good uh, a valid point for being pro bar. Again, it's just to kind of weed some of that stuff
0: out. So I'm appointing myself king for the day and as king of the Premier League and football at large. If I can make a rule change here, I mean, I think we're, we're in the right direction when it comes to VAR. I think the biggest thing that, that annoys me with VAR is, what, is with the offside calls. Um, that would just annoy me to no end, particularly in 1920 and also in 2021. Not so much last year. Um, I feel like they made the lines bigger. Um, the, the lines were tiny when they first started doing it. So, you know, you had people that were off by a toe. Uh, off by a shirt sleeve um, and all that other nonsense for me the whole idea of offside is the fact that the offensive player is getting an unfair advantage on the defender and I think when it comes to offside or any other rule you have to think about the basis of the rule itself and what it's intended to do the whole idea is you can't just run past the defender you can't cherry pick for goals And so you need to at least be in line with the person before you run past them. Makes perfect sense. But I think sometimes when we're drawing these lines and we're looking at toes and we're looking at nostril hairs, um, it it gets a little bit too ridiculous. Oh, his, his knee is above the, what what is He's not gaining an advantage because he still has to run past the defender. And so for me, I think if, if I were to change that rule to make it super simple and this is maybe even a little bit too lenient, but for me, I would say. In order for you to be offside, you have to have at least an entire foot in front of the defender. So if it's, you know, uh, a toe or a part of your cleats or, you know, an elbow or your your nose is ahead by an inch, that's not offside because you're not actually getting an advantage by that. If you have at least a foot in front of the defender at that point, you are gaining an actual advantage. But anything less than that, they should just let they should just let it go. Um, and I think also about the way that offside was called before VAR existed. And it was basically a call of are the players level? If the players are level, they're going to leave the goal. If you're not level, it's not a goal. And I think sometimes when we have technology, we overuse it. And we're like, OK, well, now that we have this technology and now that we have this thing in our disposal, we have to, like, overcorrect and look at everything over with over analysis. And it's like, look, if the guy's not getting a clear advantage, then just don't call offside. Like, I think we just need to make it as simple as possible. If it's less than a foot, you're onside.
3: Yeah, you know, what's the thing they say in Jurassic Park, Jeff Goldblum's character? um talking to the scientist of uh, the head scientist is like you got so preoccupied whether or not you could you didn't think about whether or not you should like just because we have we the go. technology doesn't mean we have to be using it to be you know correcting toenails
0: all right jesse you're king for the day what are, what are you doing with with your power
3: uh, I think five subs permanently um, COVID rule. I think I, I enjoyed that. It, it added a different layer of, uh, of change and tactical. And, and I'm also a hockey fan. And like, it was almost kind of like you could almost have like a shift change of like, well, this isn't working. Let's bring on a whole new midfield or like, that's not working. Let's bring on a few new attackers at once, which, you know, it's very rare to bring on three subs um, at the same time when there's only a three sub rule, but I kind of like the five. It's still. Well,
0: it's they're adding five in- to the Premier league next year, right? Did I, is that that's right, right?
1: That's like official going forward. Well, there will be good. five I'm subs we in the Premier League. Through. Look at I that! Think the you way it, I think the it way it rolling, works.
2: Yeah, your ruling was heard. King <laughs> I Jesse. think the
1: way it works is you can only sub in three times though, yeah. so you can yeah, only make three three subs, but you can sub five. Things. You
0: can stop the, t- you could stop the clock three stop times. Stop the clock
1: three times. Or yeah, right. But
3: you know, we, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to do something about time wasting. Just throw a few, just throw a few deeper penalties than, than a yellow card at a, at a goalie. Who's not going to do anything. They're never going to get accumulated, figure out something else, you know, to, to do for goalies that are, that are ag- aggressively time wasting. I don't know what the solution here, though, as well as of like, you know, light penalties that are in the box. Like, is there an in-between situation that we could come up with where, it's, you know, who doesn't love an indirect free kick in the box? Those are always hilarious. They're always so wild to, to, to figure out. Maybe there's that if it's like, hey, this would be, you know, uh, a normal foul anywhere else in the field. But just because it's on this blade of grass, guess what? you know, that sucks. Like, I mean, it would happen for... Um, we wouldn't have made the, the uh, Champions League if this was the case of that that Sanchez handball when he's, you know, doing, like, the, the statue of Jesus on top, of, or the, the defender was doing the statue of Jesus on top of um, um on Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, and, and uh, what was that? The... Oh, that
0: was Burnley, right? Burnley game, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that, like, uh,
3: that was the Chris Wood game. Yeah, where he those was, uh, type the of... Like, these man. are barely, like, should that be as bad as like, there's clearly not a goal scoring opportunity on there. Like, I don't know that that's, that adds more gray area. So it's probably a, a bigger challenge to, to figure out like, okay, is that indirect free kick bad or is that penalty bad? Again, gets even more human element and error into it. So I, I think I'll, on second thought, I won't go down that, that road. So my rule change. You, mean, you, you more- talk
0: about the blade of grass piece. I mean, especially when it's like, the guys running away from goal. Like
3: (laughs) you're you're facing the
0: opposite direction, but you're in the box. So it's a penalty. It's like this is this was not a goal scoring opportunity. He wasn't even looking at the goal.
3: Yeah, it's a bit silly at times, but you know, that's there, there's just there is no. It's black or white. It's this is a a 70%
2: 70% handball in the uh, Champions League final. Don't, oh, don't get me started, Ben. Yeah, are yeah. not Come supposed on. to hey, ever talk it. about it. Don't, you know, don't do it,
1: Ben. Don't do it.
3: But also, you know, so... just
1: one thing, that was um, Ashley Barnes and mixing up your Burnley Strikers. Oh, <laughs> I
2: Chris Wood <laughs> went to Newcastle. He did go to
0: Newcastle. I forgot he was
3: there because he doesn't ever play. But My biggest change then would be more of just a simple one, or a scoring statistical change. If you hit the shot that forces an own goal, um, you should get an assist. Also, if you draw the penalty but someone else takes it, you should get an assist. You literally assisted 100%. on the goal. It's not a traditional yep. assist, but you were the reason that goal was. You were a big part of the reason of that goal being scored. I thought the same thing for a really long time with basketball. If you make a, a pass and it leads to the, a shooting foul, not a, a not a not an over the bonus, but a shooting foul. And the shooter converts all two or all three um, points in the free throw line, you should get an assist. So I think same thing here. You hit the shot, that so, forces the OG, uh, our bet, our third best player, uh, or if you um,
0: OG the had, a, I had a lot of bangers last year. you draw the
1: penalty. I, you should I get will assist. say this: you probably do get those as assistant FPL. <laughs> not <laughs> yeah, in the yeah. real life. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's the only place you get that assist. Right. I have to uh, throw in, Anna, uh, You you mentioned this before, but just on your uh, your theme of of extra stats is the hockey assist. Again, like the uh, even if you had it as a separate stat, but that deep line playmaker that gets the ball forward, you know, in uh, progresses the ball into a dangerous position would be that would be good. Um, and then Harry Kane had a lot of those this year. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's and and again, just giving so more. So did Dyer actually what's seen more statistical value with those, those halfbacks and um, like the, uh, the deep line midfielders, you know, just like you can see with your eyes what they're doing and you can pick apart stats if you get to advanced metrics, but there should probably be something that's a little bit more, I don't know, easy to uh, to digest for the average consumer. Um, But then also Jesse, like you were saying, the pens thing, um, like you said, not all pens are equal. I don't know how you get, I, I, this would be really tricky to, uh, to pick apart. But there, there was an article I read uh, about rather than doing pens, they have a like a one on one situation with the goalie so that the, the attacker has to run up from like 15 or 20 yards out. And so it's a one-on-one versus the goalie instead of a pen. And rather than being converted like 70% of the time, it was like 40% or 50%. It's a much more even interaction. I think it was like the USFL or something that did it in the, you know, eighties or nineties in the
3: US. I saw a video of that and it was wild. Um, yeah. That was, was so really much interesting. fun. It would absolutely it would be, be we create gifable moments. Um, right. And, uh, uh i've i've played that drill on fifa a bunch of times so i'm confident i'd be converting at a much higher clip than 40 percent on fifa with an xbox at least yeah yeah with an xbox but you yeah I've got the really... all the time. Now,
1: now all i'm thinking about is that um australian goalkeeper <laughs> dance oh what a superstar
0: <laughs> what a oh superstar what's his name red main
1: yeah red main oh
0: man shout out to australia Did you guys see
1: this if not everyone just no, google we'll just link. just just find the um highlights for the peru australia match uh, whoever won that game was going to the world cup and the keeper for <laughs> australia he only subbed in to to stop to, for penalties and he literally danced up and down the touch or, or the the goal, the goal line. line the goal right, line oh
2: I'll, I'll be watching this shortly
1: it's hilarious, honestly. Like I've never well, seen what, anything like that. What I made it know.
0: hilarious is that he's doing this jig, he's doing this dance, <laughs> hopping around the line trying to confuse the the penalty taker. But like the first five goals all get banged in. So it's like, whatever you're doing, dude, it's not working. It's like, um, that's no good. No. It worked out for him in the end. But Kim, I, I want to hear from you. What's what's your uh what's your rule that you would create, or maybe even a rule that already exists that you would just tweak slightly
1: um honestly you guys said some of the rules that i would create already um so like i saw when you guys did the the rundown i was like well i'm not going to write mine down cuz it's pretty much here um but i i'm thinking um like i for the most part i feel like the rules that exist in the premier league don't bother me too much um and the stuff that does bother me tends to be the little stuff that's affected by VAR at this point. Um, so I, I don't think there's that much outside of what you guys have already said that I'd be needing to change. And I feel like if you would have asked me this two years ago, I would have had a whole list of things. Um, but I feel like they've yeah to take some of the stuff out of the game. Um, even something that they brought in this year, like they're, we saw the downsides of it, but they were less, um, and I think they've been across the board fouls just these little tiki tack fouls they try to take those out and so it's like there has to be more contact in order for a foul to be called that has hit us in the wrong way um if the ref isn't able to control it but that's the kind of stuff that makes for just a more fun game if you don't have stoppages and stoppages in play like every five seconds because someone decides to fall down
2: yeah just just to add a couple more just quick things um because some of these are are more uh, I guess, directives to the referees rather than, than rule changes. Um, but it would be great, obviously, if we could cut down even more on diving, like giving yellow cards every time that it, basically, if, if there's an interaction where there has to be a yellow card one way or the other, though, I feel like a lot of times that that gets waved off. And then in the the reverse side of that same coin is rest need to be able to give fouls without a player having to go down. Like the player doesn't shouldn't have to yeah. sell the foul to the ref that's how you would actually fix diving is is making it so that the the hand the decision is in the ref's hand more so than the player having to sell it to the ref um and then a couple others that's tough though
0: because then that's because what you're saying right is like if if i take a dive and the ref doesn't call the pen then it should be a yellow on me for simulation right so that basically yeah, means I mean, anytime if, somebody goes down, somebody's getting the card.
2: Well, I guess, yeah, it, it, it's you're, it's a good point. Uh, I guess that you can go down and lose balance, you know, without necessarily right. trying to, to to draw a foul. I guess. I mean, I, that's what I'm saying is like, if maybe we're going to the,
0: in the ref's hands, then we got to like, I don't know, it's. No, it's because I, I see I,
2: both sides of it for sure. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe bar review on dives or something like that. That, I, that, that would because you can keep the game going while a bar review is given is going on and then give the guy a yellow after the next stoppage of play. It doesn't even slow things down. You um, can
0: also tell. I mean, I think the only bad thing and I'm like trying to think about how this would play out. And it's like some guys definitely try to take advantage of the refs by diving in the box. The ref will look at them and say, no, get up. Let's say for argument's sake, hey, you're trying to play me. I know that wasn't a penalty, yellow card. And then, you know, 20 minutes later, tangle in the box, the dude falls over. Maybe it's not a foul, but maybe it's not really simulation either. I feel like now that the the ref has a decision to make, am I going to kick this guy out of the game because he tried to play me twice? Or sometimes guys just legitimately fall because they're tangling or because they're Wrestling for the ball, and it's not necessarily a penalty, but it isn't a dive either. I feel like the only potential downside to that approach could be somebody accumulating cards or even potentially getting kicked out of a match for something that isn't simulation, because a lot of that is a judgment call. Like, how do you know?
2: that a guy is actually flopping. It's never going to be, it's never going to be, perfect. you know what I mean? It's similar to the whole, uh, you know, the thing we are talking about earlier with a clear and obvious foul or whatever else it's a clear and obvious dive, I guess. So it would be that you would only do it in the scenario. Clear where it's just, and obvious dive. just super <laughs> obvious that the guy has taken a dive. Uh, and then just, sorry, real quick. Uh, just a couple of things I had is Again, not a rule change, but I, I still think it would help a lot if they had like maybe three refs on the field instead of just one in the middle, like taking out the linesman. Just having more people on the field to have eyes in more places at more times, you could see off the ball penalties. I think you would. I just think it would help it a lot if we had more referees. Um, or even then, if the
0: if the lines judges could actually make calls.
3: Did more, right now but, they uh, can't, but they but can still stuff, but they can't say anything. They do on occasion if it's really egregious. I thought that they are allowed to. You might be
2: right. I haven't really seen a lot
0: of it. They do do sometimes. it's really
3: bad and right in front of them, they, they call it.
2: They do sometimes. But still, why not have three or even five refs on the field just to cover the ground? I mean, I know that this is an old game and that there's, I think, a little bit of reluctance because if they make the changes on one level, then that kind of has to be changed everywhere. And that, you know, like I said, there's tradition. But, um, just really quickly, I, the one, the other one I wanted to bring up, just cause again, I feel like Jesse might like this one in particular, but what if, what if, and I think maybe futsal all does have this, but what if they played a version of soccer that had like the hockey style offside? So there was a zone basically where you, there was no offside once you got into the final third of the defending team. Um, so that, yeah, it would just make for interesting, like weird little plays, uh can't go behind the goal obviously but think about the crosses that you could have oh from city, would yeah. Like, yeah. Right. city would go absolutely nuts yeah
1: yeah city would score
2: 200 goals <laughs> yeah i don't know if that would be good or not but it would be fun to watch is what i'm saying
1: <laughs> oh man all right so i did really be, i randomly thought of one and it's something that always bothers me we should be able to use var really quickly for corners that are not corners or corners that are corners that you don't get them because I often feel like there have been posi- times where you're in a position where you give up a corner that wasn't really a corner and what happens a goal they score
2: a goal oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: exactly so I feel like yeah again going back to the enough, eagle eye or something right exactly if I'm like if you can use it for that you can say oh no that wasn't that oh that did go over the line or it didn't go over the line or the offensive player actually touched that or the defensive player touched that like I, I feel like that's the kind of thing that you can easily say you can we look at it quickly on the replay when a replay happens you're like oh no that wasn't a corner like we can we say that quickly even in the bar after drinking
2: yeah you know
1: i think to be quick though
2: to be quick enough to make it so that it's smooth and doesn't interfere with the gameplay would have to be automated so it's just like it would have to be there's a there's a tracker in the ball right that's used for the goals why couldn't they use the exact same technology for any like you know line out type it's it's actually the same
1: line Right,
2: sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, I think,
0: like Kim was saying earlier, I think generally speaking, the rules that we have in place are pretty good. There's really two things that bothered me the most. One is is offside, which I talked about earlier, and just like letting more of them ride. Um, I think the other thing for me is just the way these guys are playing. So often, game after game, especially when you're in these tournaments. Um, And sometimes you see teams playing as much as three times a week. That's another thing that I would try to change. I mean, I know that they're balancing with uh, the international tournaments as well as champions league and Europa league, and you've got FA cup and you've got Carabao and and some of these other teams have like these club world cups and all these other things. However, I feel like when we have teams playing three times in a seven-day span, what we end up doing most of the time is just producing a worse product. I don't think anybody wins by stuffing the schedule that way because everybody's getting a worse team showing up to their – And a lot uh, of muscle injuries too, right? The
3: the quality of the the games are worse.
0: The quality of the games are worse, or you have uh, some managers that will say, you know what, I actually can't afford to try to win all these games. So, you know what? FA Cup, not really a big deal for me. I'm going to have my kids go play. And then it's like, oh, well, why, did, why didn't why did they try to win the game? Well, uh, they got too many games and they can't try to win them all because they got to worry about player health. Um, and I feel like for all of the input that has been made by the Premier League and by UEFA to talk about, uh, like, Mental health initiatives and all these other things, there isn't enough energy actually being put on actual physical health, which seems a little well, the, contradictory for me. The COVID so schedule be, really
2: amplified that, too, right? Like where they yeah. were just multiple teams, especially after Project Restart, that were playing three games a week or just uh, the rotation was crazy. But I understand uh the the request it's just about how do you fulfill that right like because there's so much time i only the only way i can think of is if you were to put limits on how many minutes a player can play in a week or something like that uh i don't know if you can say you can't do three games a week or else the season will just be 12 months from now on because you'll just start having to span out the uh the matches into the summer but yeah if there was a minutes allotment on on players or a, a um I mean, like, I
0: think about it when a team is, like, playing Thursday night on Europa League, and then they got to play again on Saturday morning. And it's like, well, why not just have them play Sunday? I will
1: say, when they do Europa League, I don't think they play them on Saturday, do they? I think they always do them on Sunday for that. They always do them on Sunday. That's how we played on Sunday. We played, like, very little Saturday games in the fall for, like, the past couple years because we were always – Playing on. Thinking
3: about that, Kim. We're looking at the future. Back in Champions
1: League, playing on Wednesdays. Well, Wednesdays and Saturdays. Tuesdays. Let's go. Tuesdays
2: too. Tuesdays. No, I, I remember when I first started watching Spurs, we were always playing on Sundays because the Europa. And, uh, yeah. Well, if I, if you can adjust the memories, back end right.
0: of the schedule, then you can also adjust the front end, right? So, like, if I'm playing on Thursday and Sunday, then I should probably also be playing the previous Sunday, which means. I'm only playing two games in seven days, so it can be done.
1: And for the most part, it is. I feel like it happened a lot more over the last two years because of things getting canceled for COVID. And so that made them have to rearrange more games. And the only time that I felt like it really, really bothered us when when I feel like it was happening regularly, it was when we were
0: under Joseph.
1: Yeah. Qualifying for champion or qualifying for
0: Europa League. You
1: call it Europa League, right? We're in Europa yeah. League qualification or something yeah. like that. Um, that's when the three games seem to be like at its worst for Spurs. And so I feel like it, hopefully we have less cancellations for COVID. We have less reasons for three games a week.
2: Not if that. Arsenal has their, uh, their say in it. <laughs> right. You only need one COVID
0: case.
1: Every gunner is a runner. What can you we could,
0: say? You could postpone the game for four months. It looks like, you know, for the most part, our rules are in, are in good hands. Uh, obviously, you know, we will be back at some point before the end of the season. We're going to try to record at least every couple of weeks um, yeah, with different off-season. topics. Say it again? So the end of the offseason. Really. Oh, the end. Of, yeah, the end of the offseason. Right. Exactly. Um, and now that, you know, Nations League is ending, there's there's really not going to be much football on unless you want to watch MLS. So um, we're we're going to have, you know, the next probably six to eight weeks uh, before the new season starts. Uh, We'll try to come back with a few more uh, topics of interesting discussion related to Spurs, related to football. Obviously at the end of the off season, we're going to have to do a big uh, roundup of all of our signings, um, our our comings and goings and and see what happens with all the players that we currently have on roster as well. Uh, So we will be back uh, maybe not next week, but, just just keep an eye out we'll, yeah, we'll probably
1: be, probably a couple weeks we'll be back now.
0: before you know it you know just it's just gonna be like a
1: surprise we're just gonna and then gonna honestly in. in a month we are already gonna be starting playing preseason matches so which is there crazy actually games to talk about yeah it's crazy
0: come on you spurs come on you
3: spurs